Well, if you're new with us, we're in the middle of a series called Reset, and it's a series about starting over. So if you are in the middle of starting over at something, maybe starting over in a new relationship, maybe you're trying to eat better, maybe you're, you're trying to exercise more, or uh, maybe you've got a new job that you're trying to figure out or get your finances back on track, or maybe you've just moved here. You're kind of new to the area, and here you are starting over in a new community. Uh, if you're starting over at anything, this is, a, I think, would be a good series for you. Now, the reality for all of us is that we all know what it's like to start over because we all have to start over. Sometimes we start over because we hit the reset button and say, you know what, I need to start over in this area of my life, so I'm going to try again in this new area. Uh, Sometimes the reset button gets hit for us, and we find ourselves starting over in a way that we didn't intend. We didn't plan. Like maybe your boss comes in one day and says, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to let you go. And all of a sudden, here you are with the reality of I have to start over. I didn't want to but I have to start over in a way that I didn't plan. Um, Maybe you get a bad medical report and you find out like, if I don't make some major changes in my life, like I'm not gonna live a very long life. And, and, And sometimes that happens for us. And so we all have to start over either by choice or by someone else's choice. Uh, So what we're trying to learn in this series is how do we make sure that this next time won't be like the last time that we started over? None of us want to keep starting over and over again. I mean, none of us like that. But the reality is it happens for a lot of us. And the reason is when we hit the reset button, often we do the exact same things that lead us to the place that we don't want to be. So when we're starting off in a new relationship, often we'll pick the same kind of person we don't really want to be in. And then we wonder, like, how do I keep ending up with the same type of person? And the reality is your picker's broken. Like, you know, we're the ones that keep picking those people. So we've got to figure out what's broken in here before we can pick somebody else. Uh, Or um, maybe, you know, it's always fun when you lose your place in your notes. So maybe there's this major life change that you've decided that you need to make. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this major change uh, this year. It's going to be a new thing, new year, new reality for me. And then all of a sudden, the pressures of life come back at you. And all of a sudden, you find yourself giving in to that temptation again, and you give in to it one time, and I'll I'll be okay, and then another time, and and all of a sudden, we find ourselves back in that same spot, on that same road, headed in that same direction that we don't want to be. So again, often, we do the exact same things that lead us to the places that we don't want to be. Now, what we've learned in this series is that in order to break that cycle, we have to learn to think differently. We have to think differently. We have to live differently than than the way that we normally do. If we just keep doing the same old stuff, if we just keep thinking the same old things, we're going to end up in the same old places. So we've learned in this series that in order to break that cycle, we have to learn to think like wiser people. We have to learn to think like people who say, you know what, I'm going to learn from this experience. I'm not just going to have this experience and expect that next time is going to be different. I'm going to learn from this experience. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to ask the question, what would a wise person do in my spot? How would a wise person move forward? I'm just not going to do the same thing I always do. What would a wise person do? And then once we have that information, then we have to apply that so that we can end up in a different place. Now, last week, 
we learned about the spiritual discipline of fasting and how that can help us when we desperately need to start over. And if you're new with us, we are right now in the middle of a two-week fast. So there's many people here that have given up uh, a certain amount of food in order to grow their relationship with God in in a deeper way. And our elder team has been praying for you Many of you have turned in cards this past week, and I really appreciate when you guys do that because it helps us to know how to pray specifically for you and, and sometimes by name when, when you do that. So it's a, it's a real honor for us to be praying for you, and I understand that fasting is not an easy thing. So every time uh, this time of year comes around, I start a conversation with God. God, are we going to do this fasting thing again this year? Because I really don't want to. And then I circle myself back around to, you know what? Good things always happen when I do that. You know, and again, for me this year, this past week, I've learned a lot about myself, why I eat, when I eat, what's important to me when, I, when I'm trying to eat. You know, there are many moments I'm standing in front of our pantry and I'm not hungry, but I just want to put something in my mouth. And God says, what are you doing here? It's just fun to eat. I enjoy food. And he and I have a lot of conversations about how much I want him. And am I willing to pursue God as much as I pursue food and as much as my world revolves around food? So hopefully it's been a real insightful week for you. And and I hope that you've learned a lot. And we have one more week to go. So I'm just really encourage you to push hard towards that finish line of this next week. And then we'll celebrate next Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday. Now, um, what we're gonna talk about today is going to be even more difficult than fasting. All right, so after we get to the end of today, you're probably going to say, you know what, fasting is nothing. I'll I'll fast a whole month. I'll give up food for a month compared to what we're going to talk about today. So here it is. In order to ensure that next time won't be like last time, in order to learn from our experiences the way that wise people do, we have to do this extremely difficult thing of owning our part of the problem. We have to own our part that leads us to the places that we don't want to go. Now, some of you may be uh, processing that information and you might be saying, Trent, it's not that big of a deal. That's not all that hard. And the reason is I don't have a part of the problem. It's not my fault. All right, the common thing that all of us say, it's not my fault. You know, she's the one who left. It's not my fault that I didn't know he had an anger problem. It's not my fault that my boss is such a jerk and everybody hates to work for him. It's not my fault that my coach has had it out for me since the first day I showed up. It's not my fault that I chose to go out with these people. I didn't know they were going to make that decision and we were all going to get in trouble together. It wasn't my fault. So if you've ever said, it's not my fault, or you're thinking right now, it's not my fault, this problem that I have is not my fault, and I understand because I think the same thing sometimes. But wise people rarely say that. Wise people know that to keep from repeating our past, we have to own our part of our past. Now, I'm not saying that any of us are at fault yet, okay? All I'm saying is that wise people know to end up in a different place, we've got to own the stuff that's led us to the places that we don't want to be. So today we're going to ease into this conversation and we're going to look at the very first people who said, it's not my fault. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter one to do that. 
So Genesis chapter one, verse 27 says this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And we're going to jump down to chapter two, verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So in the beginning, there was only one rule, no 10 commandments, just one commandment. God said, you know that tree in the middle of the garden? I don't want you to mess with it. Just leave that tree alone. Chapter three, verse one says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die The serpent replied to the woman, because God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. And I find it so interesting that here Eve says, I want wisdom that looks like a good, right thing, but I'm willing to do a wrong thing in order to get that right thing. So verse six continues and it says, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So here we have Adam and Eve. They they couldn't stand the fact that God had something that they didn't have. And so they said, listen, God, we don't like that you're holding out on us. You have this wisdom. You know the difference between good and evil, and we want that, and we're willing to do a wrong thing in order to get it. Now, when you read a Bible story like that or you hear a Bible story like that, I don't know how you process that information or what you think about that story. Maybe if you're new to Christianity or you're exploring Christianity, maybe you think like, am I really supposed to believe a story that has a talking snake in it? Like, like I just don't get all that. So like, if you feel that way, I understand, you know, I hate snakes and a talking snake would be even worse. Uh, So like, I, I understand that. But here's why I believe this is a true story and why I believe this really happened. The reason is because it happens. This happens. This story happens all the time. All of us have tried to do what Adam and Eve have done. All of us have tried to get a right thing in a wrong way. All of us have done what we've wanted instead of what God has wanted. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't need a talking snake to convince me to do wrong. I can do that all by myself. I don't need anybody else influencing me. I can lead myself to do wrong by myself. Now, watch what happens next. Uh, that makes this story even more believable to me. In verse eight, it says this. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Now, I don't know why I think that's so funny, but uh, I think it's funny to watch people hide from God. 
you know, here we've got Adam and Eve, and, and like, really, they're going to hide from God. Like, in these bushes over here, we, you know, we put these fig leaves together, so God's not going to see us in this new camo that we have. You know, so they're trying to hide from God. They don't think that God can find them. And I think it's funny until I'm trying to hide from God. And you probably think it's funny until you're trying to hide from God. And we all hide from God. There's all kinds of ways that we do. There's things that God says, listen, I want you to do that. And we go, no, I don't want to do that. So we try to hide from God. There's stuff that God says, I want you to do this, or I want you to stop doing this. And we go, God, I just don't agree with with that strategy. So we try to hide from God. And maybe this morning you're here trying to hide from God in some way. We all do that. But look what happens in verse nine. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So God went looking for him. Now, did God go looking for them because he didn't know where they were? No. He knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly what they had done. He went looking for them because he loved them. Out of God's incredible love for humanity, he went looking for Adam and Eve. And he asked the question. It wasn't a question that he needed an answer for. It was a question that they needed to answer. Where are you? Something's changed. Something in our relationship has changed. And you need to answer the question, what has changed? And why has it changed? And I think God is still doing that. I think God is still looking for people who are hiding from him. Again, maybe today you are. Maybe today you're hiding from God in some way. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him and and maybe you're curious about it, but you're just not so sure, so you're holding him at a distance. Or maybe there's something right now in your life that you've done, you know you shouldn't have done. You're kind of hiding that from God and God is looking for you, not to punish you, He's looking for you out of his love and he's asking the question, hey, where are you? Where have you gone? I I haven't gone anywhere. But maybe you have. And in moments, maybe I have. Now listen to how Adam and Eve respond to God's question. In verse 10, Adam replied, he said this, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And so Adam takes full responsibility of what he's done. And he says, yes, I did it. I blew it. I'm sorry. I take full responsibility. Please take the blame on me. Don't put any of this responsibility on Eve. It wasn't her fault. The snake came up. I was right there. I should have said something. I didn't. I'm not sure. It's a magical moment. The, the fruit looked amazing. Eve was in her pre-fig leaf glory. She looked amazing. Like I was just taken up in the moment. I didn't know what to do. And so I did it. I'm sorry it was wrong. Forgive me. I'll face whatever consequences you have. He didn't say that. This is what he said. It was the woman. It was the woman you gave me. And she gave me the fruit and then I ate it. So the first thing that Adam did after being found by God was to blame Eve and then blame God for his sin. Now, I know when you read that, you're like far-fetched. Like no one would ever do that, right? Like, who would ever blame somebody else for the stuff that they, they do? We cannot imagine that happening today. It's hard to imagine that they, that was even written in that story. Who could ever imagine a politician ever blaming something uh, that they did on someone else or a, a professional athlete or a pastor for that matter? I mean, we just can't imagine that in our community and in our world today, right? No, we can imagine it. Why? Because our world's motto is, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. Somebody else's fault. So Adam said to God, it's not my fault. 
It's Eve's fault. If she wouldn't have brought that to me, I would have never eaten it. And God, if you really want to know, it's your fault. You made her. Apparently there's a malfunction, you know. Maybe we've got to have prototype number two, Eve 2.0. And then, verse 13, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And she says, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. So she followed Adam's example. She's like, oh, you're going to push me under the bus? Well, I'm pushing the snake under the bus. It's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault, God. It's not my fault. And really, if you want to know, you made the snake to talk. Like, it's your fault, really. I mean, if the snake hadn't come along, I never would have done that. So again, this story is so believable to me because it's my story. And it just might be your story. Now, Adam and Eve did what most of us do. They took partial responsibility, not full responsibility. They said, listen, I I like had a part in it, but I'm only going to take responsibility for my part after I get to blame somebody else for for their part. But if we are going to keep from repeating our past, we have to own our part of the past. We have to own our part of the problem. We can't blame other people and expect to end in, in different places. We have to take full responsibility for the stuff that leads us to the problems that we have. Now, to illustrate this in a different way, there should be a card in that pack of information that you had there, a little card that's got a circle on it, and it says circle of blame. So grab that and grab a pin for me, okay? Now, this circle represents all the blame that there is for your problem. So what I want you to do is I want you to think of a problem that you have currently or a problem that you've had in your past, okay? This is an exercise that I I use with couples when they're in my office and we're trying to figure out who's to blame for the problem in their relationship. Um, It works for all kinds of problems. So just think for a moment about a problem, a problem you have at work, problem you have at school, problem you have at church, problem you have at home, just anywhere, pick a problem. If you don't have a problem, your life is too boring, come talk to me and I'll share a few problems of mine with you. So, so get a problem, okay? All right, so what I'd like you to do is to draw on this circle the portion of this circle that represents your part of the problem. All right, so this is gonna feel like a little math problem, all right? So um, picture this as like a, a pie, a apple pie, or maybe a pizza, and you're gonna cut it in, in whatever way that you think represents your part of the blame in your problem. Now, I'm gonna give you some options to choose from up here on the flip chart, okay? So um, what you could do is you could draw a line straight down the middle and say 50-50, my problem, 50% the other person's problem. Or you could say, you know, it was the economy, my business tank because of the economy. It was the economy's fault. It was um, my landlord's fault. It was my boss's fault, whatever, in in the relational dynamic. 50%, 50%. I've never had anybody do this in my office. I've never had anybody draw a line in the middle and say 50-50, okay? Now, here's another option. You could be a little bit more generous to yourself and a little less generous to whoever else is involved in the problem. You could say, you know what? 25% my problem and 75% their blame, all right? So 75%, it was my coworkers, it was my teammates, it was whatever. And I, you know, I had something to do with it, but 20, only 25% of it. I've never had anybody draw it out like that in my office either. This is how most of us draw it out when we try to draw it out. 
like this. So when I get people to be bold enough to put pen to paper, they say, you know what? I got a little part of it. You know, sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Just can't help that. And so, you know, it's a little piece of the pie, but, you know, most of the problem is not mine. Most of the problem is somebody else's. And guess what Adam did when God handed him his circle of blame card? He said, God, I got a little piece of it, just a tiny sliver. It's a small thing. But really, God, you had the bulk of the problem. And Eve had the bulk of the problem. And I think most of us do that. Most of us draw out our blame circles like that. Now, when I do this exercise in my office, it is very hard for people to actually put pen to paper. It's hard for me to put pen to paper. Why? Because the moment that pen touches that paper and I start drawing, I'm admitting I have a part of the problem. I'm admitting, you know what, it may be small, but I've got a part of the problem and we all have a part of the problem. So whether your part is 10% of the problem or 90% of the problem, guess what? We are responsible for 100% of our part of the problem. Now, I'm not responsible for the other person's part or the other, the other uh, blame that I can put on something else. I'm responsible for my part. You are responsible for your part. Again, whether that's 10% or 90%. If we're going to keep from repeating our past, we have to take ownership of the stuff that leads us to the places that we don't want to be. Now, here's where this information can be a life changer for us. Listen to the subtle changes in in the statements I'm about to make. If we can say, you know, I wanted this relationship so badly, I was willing to overlook things that I never should have overlooked. If we can honestly say that, Instead of saying, it isn't my fault. I didn't know he had such an anger problem. I didn't know she had such a drug problem. I didn't know they had that whatever problem. It's not my fault that this relationship has ended. If we can say that, we just might make sure that our next relationship is different than our last relationship. If we can say, I never should have gotten involved with that other person. Yes, my marriage was not doing so well but I never should have confided in that person. I never should have gone to lunch with them. I never should have uh, accepted that drink or responded to their advances. If we can say that, instead of saying, you know what, this never would have happened if my wife or my husband would have been meeting my needs. If they would have been meeting my needs, this never would have happened. So really, the majority of the fault is theirs. If we can say that first part instead of that second part, we just might be at the beginning of experiencing marriage the way that God intended. If we can say, I should have spoken to my teacher about her expectations and maybe studied a little bit harder and trying to meet those expectations. If we can say that instead of saying, you know what, it's not my fault I got that bad grade. My teacher is whacked out. I mean, nobody can live up to her expectations. She's so wild, has such high expectations. Everybody's fan in the class. It's not our fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. If we can say the first part instead of the second, we just might start learning something that can benefit us for the rest of our lives. Not just in education, not just in classes, but for the rest of our lives in all aspects of our lives. So if we can own our part of the problem, there's a greater chance that we won't repeat our part of our problems. And that's how we become wiser people. That's how we learn to end up in different places because we do 
different things. So for you, how would you draw out your circle of blame with the problem that you're thinking of? How much of it is your fault? How much of it is someone else's? Will you take full responsibility for your part of the blame in your problem? Now, a few weeks ago, one of our new church attenders handed me a poem on their way out of church. And when I pulled that poem out and read it, it was uh, something that God had used in my life over 20 years ago, a poem that God had used for me to, to make some changes in how I was living. And uh, so I wanted to share that poem with you. And I thought this is a great summary to today's message. The title of the poem is this, an autobiography in five chapters, and it's by Portia Nelson. And it goes like this. So chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit, but my eyes are open. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. In chapter five, I walk down another street. I thought that was such a great summary. And you're probably thinking, why didn't you just like say that at the beginning of the message? We could have prayed and gone home. Like, <laughs> like I understand that. So wise people take full responsibility for the stuff that's their fault. And then they walk down new roads that lead to new places. Now, some of you are kind of stuck still thinking about the other part of the blame in your circle. And you're thinking, yeah, but. Yeah, but they, they ha still have this. It's a majority of it. You know, they have all this stuff that, that's their fault. What do I do with that? If you want to know the answer, you got to come back because we're going to deal with that in the next few weeks, okay? So as we close today, our worship team is going to come out and they're going to uh, lead us in one of my favorite uh, um, old hymnals. So this is an old song. It was written in the 1700s. It's called Come Thou Fount. And as you listen to the song, there's some language that we don't use now. So you, if you're new to this song, you'll be like, well, that's a little strange. I don't know if I understand it all. If you're not, maybe it's a song that you'll be familiar with. Um, here's one line in this, this song that makes perfect sense to me. And I think makes perfect sense to, to what we're dealing with in this series. And it says this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's me. And there's a good chance that's you. We're all prone to walk off of God's path. We're all prone to do the things that God doesn't want us to do. And then there are moments where we blame God for that. Just like Adam and Eve would say, God, it's your fault. If you, know, if you wouldn't have put the snake here, if you would have put a different woman here, if you would have whatever, I wouldn't be in this spot. But the next line in this song needs to be our daily prayer. It says this, here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. God, I need you to seal my heart because I know me. My tendency is to walk away from you. So I need your help. 
Seal my heart. Seal it for thy courts above. So what I encourage you to do during this song is have a conversation with God about your part of the blame. Have a conversation with him about that. Take full responsibility for your part of it, whether it's 10% or 90%, doesn't matter. Take full responsibility for that and say, God, show me how to take this responsibility seriously. Show me how to walk down a new path that's gonna lead to a new place. So let's pray together. Then you talk to God. Lord, it's so amazing when we open the Bible and see really the first story of humanity is us screwing things up, is us choosing to do wrong, choosing to walk our own way, and then having the gall to say, it's not my fault. Lord, we all have that tendency, and and we give Adam and Eve a whole lot of flack for the choice that they made, but none of us would have made a different choice because we make the same choices every day, all of us choose to say it's not my fault when it really is so lord i pray for all of us as we're talking about this series of restarting and starting over again hitting the reset button in our lives and trying to end up in new places lord as we do that we have to take full responsibility for our part of our problems so that that we don't repeat that part of our problems so lord help us to do that today Lord, as we think about the the circle of blame and the responsibility that we have, help us to take responsibility for that portion. Help us to come to you with uh, just all honesty and say, God, this is my part and I I take full responsibility. I'm not going to blame anybody else for that. I'm going to take responsibility. Now teach me how to fix what I have broken. Lord, thinking about that poem I pray that we would be the people in chapter three and we would realize, oh, it is my fault. Now, how can I walk down a new path? Lord, teach us to walk down new paths that lead to new places because we are all prone to wander. We need you to seal our hearts and to help us stay on the path that leads to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Welcome to Epic. Glad that you can join us. My name is Chris Seppi, and we're just happy to have you with us today. If you're new to Epic and you're looking to find out a little bit more about who we are and what we're all about, we have a connection center on the way out. Feel free to stop by. This way we can meet you and answer any questions that you may have. So I've got just a couple of announcements for you before we continue with our service. So if you look on your seat, you'll see a little half sheet of paper. It's your announcement sheet. If you want to grab that, you can follow along as I highlight just a couple of things. So last week, we had our informational meetings about our mission trips to Guatemala. So if you're interested in going, remember the application deadline is February the 1st, so we need you to get that stuff in by then. Now, if you're still interested in going, but you're looking to find out a little more information about the trip, or you need to download the application, visit our website, which is theepicchurch.com, and click on the Serve tab. You'll be able to pull up all that stuff right there. Another way to get more involved at Epic is by jumping into one of our small group environments. And today, right after service, we're going to have an informational meeting about our starting point groups. That's going to take place right over here in the teacher's lounge. Now, starting point is a 10-week conversational environment where you can begin to explore the story of God and experience community. So if you've got kids after service, grab them real quick. If you don't, then head straight over to the teacher's lounge. It's behind the curtains right over here, and Tim Jones is going to be in there. He's going to get you a little more information. You'll be able to sign up for a starting point group right there and then. Now, if you've been through Starting Point, the next step is to join one of our community groups. The way to join a community group is to come to our five-week group experience and get into a men's, a woman's, or a couple's group. Then at the end of those five weeks, that's when your group forms. So on February 8th, we're gonna, groups will start meeting over at Palm Coast Community Church. Now, we're going to provide childcare, but only from sixth grade and below. We'll provide that. So if you're interested in joining that group, I'll be manning a table in the back over there after service. Come see me. I'll give you a little more information about that. Or once again, you can visit our website and go under the uh, groups tab. Now, if you're curious about what, the, what a community group is and what it's all about, go ahead and check out this video and give you a little more insight into what it is. So you've been coming to church. Maybe you even serve. You sit in a row almost every week, but now you're ready for more. You want to connect relationally. Or maybe you want to grow spiritually. Those are good ideas. Those are God's ideas, both of them. Because relationships are one of the five things God uses to help us grow. And that's why we do groups. In fact, apart from service on Sunday, it's almost all we do. Because you can't grow spiritually without connecting relationally. Which is why groups of 8 to 12 adults meet 3 to 4 times a month for a year or two. Every time a group meets, they spend time building relationships, exploring truth, and supporting each other through prayer. And as a result, group members experience accountability, belonging, and care. 
group is your chance to pursue healthy relationships and spiritual growth. So when you're ready for more, step out of your row and into a circle. Join a group. Life is better connected. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here today. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic, and I strongly encourage you to get connected in Starting Point or, or one of our community groups. That's uh, a major part of how we do church here is to do that connected together. So if you're not connected in that, sign up for it today. Now, before we dive into our message today, I have some information I want to share with you, some exciting news, and then I have a couple of things I need to ask of you to do. So first, the exciting news. Uh, Over the past five years in the life of our church, we have had a slow but steady growth trend. So at our lowest, we were about 130 people, and now between our two services, we're running about 500 people. And so you can clap for that. It's really cool. Um, We started our church uh, with two pastoral staff members. That's myself and then Tim Jones. And then his wife, Sarah, has played a very high level. And my wife has has played at a very high level. And we've had an amazing group of volunteers that have said, listen, we'll roll up our sleeves and we will work very hard to to do what we feel God has called us to do in our community. Uh, But over the past few years, we felt like we've needed to add more staff. And we felt like we've been understaffed and we've uh, been in a process of praying for several years. Our leadership team has, and we've said, God, uh, who would be the right people to add and when would be the right time to add them? So as we've been praying through that, we really feel like God has answered that. Really feel like God has said, listen, uh, here's who the right people to add would be and here's the right time frame for that. So we feel like God has led us to add uh, one full-time staff member and then one part-time staff member. So Evan Shows, the guy who leads our worship ministry, uh, we feel like God has led us to bring him on full-time. And then Cody Anderson, Uh, The guy who leads our student ministry, we feel like God has led us to bring him and his wife on part-time. Now, let me tell you a little bit about those two guys and then their families. Evan and Carlo, when they came to Epic over uh, three years ago, they just got very involved in serving. On a volunteer basis, he immediately got started in our worship team and serving in that capacity. Then she got very involved in our international missions. Right now, she leads our programming team. Um, So they just have gotten very involved. And it's just been awesome to watch them, watch their hearts, their heart for God and their heart for people. And they are the right kind of people to to add to our staff. And we're just so excited about that. So let me tell you a little bit about what Evan's going to be doing. So in addition to leading our worship team on a full-time basis and being able to take that to the next level, he'll also oversee the programming elements that happen on Sunday morning to to help take uh, our Sunday morning experience to the next level as well. Um, He'll be involved in our marketing efforts internally and in our community. He'll uh, uh, oversee our tech ministry, our website our social media. He'll preach occasionally. And then um, if you have this line in uh, your job description, it's other duties as assigned. So if you're familiar with that, then that kind of encompasses everything else that Evan will be doing. Now, uh, Cody and Robin, they have led our student ministry for over three years now on a volunteer basis. And and get how they've done this. Uh, she uh, has a job, he has a job. Uh, There are many weeks where Cody works 70 hours a week. 70 hours a week of work, 
Um, then he's going to school at the same time. He's halfway through his bachelor's degree in education. And uh, they've led a small group here, been very involved in all of our missions efforts here in our church, and have tried to have a family life and not lose his hair on top of all that. So imagine trying to juggle all those things at one time. So um, uh, a few months ago, Cody got to the spot where he said, listen, like, I just can't keep doing all this stuff. Something has to change. And so our leadership team started praying with him, said, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want this to change? Um, And is there a part that you want us to play in that? And so what we felt like God identified for us was to offer him an internship where he could explore what ministry is even more like on a full-time basis. And and he and and Robin have felt like maybe God wants them to be in full-time ministry. And so we thought, hey, we'll, we'll start with an internship that will do several things. That will allow him to finish his schooling, so he'll be able to finish his uh, bachelor's degree, and that will give him the time and us the time to explore this full-time ministry thing. So about a month ago, they said, uh, we're going to take the leap of faith, and we're going to jump in, and we're going to do this. So we're so excited to announce to you both of those things. So, so Evan and Carla coming on, and Cody and Robin coming on, and I encourage you, you get a chance to talk to them uh, after the service, make sure that you go up, give them a big hug, let them know that you're going to pray for them, and let them know that you're going to support them as they do those exciting things. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do as a result of those things. The first thing is this. I'm going to ask you to give of your financial resources. So what we do as a church is solely possible because of the generosity of the people who give. That's you. You, you who say, you know what, I'm going to support my local church in, the, in the, uh, the efforts that they have to reach our community for Christ, you make it possible for us to do that. So over the past five years, we've seen at least 315 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we've seen 114 of them be baptized. That's amazing. And why is that possible? Because of you because you have given to make that possible. And, and you all know if you work in a, a business or you own a business, or whatever, you understand there's a financial side to church world. And so it takes money for us to rent the facilities that we use. It takes money for us to pay the staff that lead our ministries. It takes money for us to pull off the ministries that we have. It takes money for us to reach into our community and serve our community when we do things like 3G Saturday, 3G Sunday, we do Giving Tree. I mean, it takes money to do all those things. And when you give, amazing things happen. Now, Cody and Robin will be paid their part-time income directly from Epic, But Evan and Carla have agreed to raise a portion of their full-time income outside of what Epic is going to be doing. So what that means is Epic will pay a portion of that, and then they're relying on the generosity of other people to help them raise the other portion of that. And um, right now, they're at about 50% of of their portion. There are some people who have already said, listen, we'll stand with you for the next two years um, as you do this. And at the end of that two-year time frame, then we as Epic will take on all of their support. So... If you already give to Epic, let me first say thank you. And I don't know if you understand this, but there are going to be people in heaven because you gave. People will spend eternity with the God who loves them because you gave. You set aside some money and said, God, this is yours. I'm giving it to you. And because of that, people will reap the benefit for all of eternity because of your generosity. So thank you for doing that. Here's what I ask you to pray about doing. 
Uh, pray about, in addition to what you give to Epic, pray about considering to support Evan and Carla. Uh, to help them reach the other uh, portion of their income that they're raising. And you can do that in several ways. You can give a one-time gift. You can give on a monthly basis over the next couple of years. However you would give to Epic, you can do that and just designate it to Evan and Carla. We'll make sure it gets to them. Now, if you've been coming to Epic for any length of time, but you haven't gotten active in giving, I want to challenge you to do that. That's been a substantial spiritual growth uh, motivator in my own life. I've got my own journey where I, where I felt like I was a generous tipper at a, for a season of my life, but I wasn't a tither. I, I didn't take God uh, seriously on that. I didn't, I didn't trust him with my finances. And I don't know where you are in your journey, but I've been there in my journey. And, and now it's my number one bill. It's my number one priority. That set aside 10, at least 10% of my income and give it back to God through, through our local church. So I give 10% of my income here. Um, and my wife and I give above and beyond that outside of here, and, and all of our staff members do things like that. So um, if uh, you haven't gotten active in giving, I just encourage you to do that. It does a lot of things in our lives. Number one, it reminds us that everything that we own comes from God. It all belongs to him. It's his. He just put it in our hands and asked us to be good stewards of it. So that's part of that, of being a good steward, is to say, God, I'm giving a portion back to you in recognition that all of it comes from you. And what else it helps us to do is it helps to local churches fulfill the mandate, the mission that God has for them. And for us, that's to lead people in our community into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, when you give, it helps us fulfill the mission that God has for us. Now, the standard that God sets in scripture is 10% of our income. So that's $1 out of every 10. And if you're new to giving, you probably think, what did he just say? Hit rewind. Uh, that, that can feel like a big amount. I understand that. Again, I've been on my own journey with that, but that's the standard that, that, that God sets in scripture. And uh, if you're not comfortable with that, pick a percentage and work your way in that direction. You will never regret for all of eternity setting aside a portion of your income and giving it back to God through a local church. I guarantee it. And here's the second thing that I ask you to do. If you aren't serving, I ask you to get active in serving. Everything that we do here revolves around us together as a church, coming together united with the common purpose of leading people in our community into that life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. To accomplish that, we need more than our staff. We need more than our current volunteers. We need more of you willing to roll up your sleeves and say, listen, I will help. I will do my part. So one of the, the wonderful problems that a growing church has is we constantly have needs for service. There are constantly more opportunities to serve the more people who continue to come. And all of our ministry areas have needs on a regular basis. So um, on your seat, there should have been a card like this. I ask you to grab that for just a moment. On one side of it, it says, how can I help? So grab that, flip it over, and I'm going to tell you just a few ways that you can get active in serving here at Epic. Now, first you see our connections team. So that's the team that helps create a warm environment here, uh, that welcomes people at the door, says goodbye on their way out, helps with coffee, helps them find a place to sit. Um, I think 
all of us should be on the Connections team, okay? So if you've been coming for any length of time, you should be on the Connections team just to welcome people. All of us can do that. If you can shake hands, and I'm pretty sure you can, we all can, can be on the Connections team, okay? And smile and welcome people and create a, a nice environment as people come in to our church family. Now, our Connections team has several needs. Right now, um, they've got a need of 20 more people to be involved on that team. Now, um, that's not a weekly thing. That's on a rotation basis. So five in the first service, 15 in the second service. So we just need people to come and serve like once a month, uh, holding the door, shaking hands, or often offering coffee to people. Now, the next is our children's ministry. Now, I'm going to pull apart that just a little bit because there's a whole lot in our children's ministry. So I'm going to start with our nursery. So in our nursery, they have a need of eight people, four in the first service, four in the second service. Again, on a rotation basis, one time a month. And I want you to think about what happens when you hold a little baby. When you hold a little baby, you make a a mom or a dad feel safe enough to leave their child where they can come and hear a message that can change their lives. That's an amazing gift. And if you have children, you understand how amazing that gift is. Um, And if, if I weren't out here doing this, guess where I would be? Holding babies except for when they're poopy. Then I I hand them off to somebody else, but I love to hold babies. So if if you like babies, then I encourage you, please get involved in our nursery. Now, the next group is our twos and and three-year-old class. Now, um, in in that age, I want you to understand uh, what it means for you to serve at that age. You are introducing little children to their first exposure to God, obviously many times outside of the home. So often, that's the first chance that they have to learn about a God who loves them at that critical age. And and we have the opportunity to do that for them. So an amazing opportunity there. We have um, some needs in that ministry of uh, seven in the first service, seven in the second service. Again, on a rotation basis, where you just say, hey, I'll serve once a month. I'll come and serve either the first service or the second service, and then you have the opportunity to come to a service here um, to, to make sure that, that you're a part of our, our adult services as well. Now, our pre-K and our kindergarten ministry, they need three in our first service. Uh, in our first through sixth grade, they need five small group leaders. They also need two volunteers that can help uh, with some of their music endeavors that they're trying to do. Our um, hold on, I lost myself. Um, the prep team. Next one there is our prep team. So right now, if you're seated, you are benefiting from the work of our prep team. So our prep team is coming this morning, seven o'clock, to set up all these, these tables, turn them into benches, set up all the, the pipe and drape and, and all the tech equipment and it's all the stuff that happens on Sunday morning. There's a group of people that comes in early and then stays late to tear it all down. So I would love to have more of us involved in that. So if that's something that you can do, if you've got time for that before the service, after the service, um, would strongly encourage you to be involved. We could use six more people there. Now, our student ministry, they could use four small group leaders. They could use three floaters and two tech people. So two people helping to, to run their tech stuff. Now, let me explain what a floater is. You understand teenagers and you understand the need for security, Right? So a floater, somebody just kind of walks around and looks like an adult and makes sure that everybody's doing the thing they need to be doing. So it's a pretty easy task. So we'd love to have you involved in that with our student ministry as well. And then our, our tech ministry here. 
uh, that we've got needs for three more people to be involved in. Uh, I want you to do me a favor and turn around and look at the lovely young lady sitting in the, the uh, sound booth and the lighting booth up there in the corner. Um, she does an amazing job back there, and we just need more people that could sit up there. And the cool thing is, is you can look down on the rest of us and you know, make fun of our bald spots, all those guys you know, they are here trying to hide your bald spot. Let it go. So um, we'd love to have more of you involved in that and more involved in our, um, on our computer as well. Again, on a rotation basis, and you don't need to understand technology to, to work this stuff. All right, so you can come in and they will train you on that. Now, our last thing is our worship team. A worship team could use a drummer, could use a bass player, could use some more backup vocals. And each of our positions on our worship team could use backup people for that. So when, when somebody's sick or somebody needs a break, then we're able to do that for them. So um, those are some ways that you can be involved in what God is doing here at Epic. And I encourage you to seriously pray throughout this service. God, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Jesus is the hope of the world, and he's chosen local churches to uh, carry that message to a, a world that's dying. And so you'll never regret your involvement in God's number one plan to reach the world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So during this service, I encourage you, take that card, pray, fill that thing out, find a spot, and then turn it in on your way out at our Connection Center. There'll be people over there. They've got buckets. You can drop it off in the bucket as well. And again, don't forget to uh, uh, talk to Evan and Carla and Cody and Robin. Give them a hug and let them know that you'll be praying for them. Now, I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to transition to our message for today. So pray with me. God, I'm so grateful for uh, the continued growth that we've had as a church. Lord, we've got this huge mission field out there. Uh, We've got a community that's got like 100,000 people in it. And uh, Lord, even though we're running about 500 right now, Lord, there are so many people to reach with Jesus. And you've asked us to go into our community and do that. You've asked us to to help introduce people to a new relationship with you. You've asked us to grow people up in their faith. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to just get active. Uh, Lord, some of us right now, we've got the challenge of of giving and and what all that means for us. Or we've got the challenge of serving. Lord, I pray that all of us would get active in giving of our time, talents, and resources so that our community can know about a relationship with you. Now, this morning, Lord, I pray that you would guide us as we transition into our message and learn how, learning how to reset our lives and start over and making starting over effective this time around. So teach us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.